Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This podcast is sponsored by The Coldest Water, a company at war with hot. They believe that the coldest things are the best things in life. Built for athletes and high performers, they are famous for creating the coldest water bottles to the coldest pillow to the coldest ice packs. They have even developed the coldest dog bed and dog bowl to keep your furry friends cooler during the hotter months. Get 10% off your first order by using the code CBC at coldest.com. What is up, y'all? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week. And we're going to be sure. talking about one of your requests from over in the iTunes comments. We got a request for Batman Dark Victory, requested by ZerNR45. So we'll be doing that at the end of the show. But let's start it wow. off with some Zer new. Good username. Let's Good. kick it off with some new books, starting with Flashpoint Beyond, number zero from DC Comics, written by Jeff Johns, art by Eduardo Riso. In this issue, as you can probably figure out from the title, we are returning to the Flashpoint universe where Thomas Wayne finds himself stuck back in. Nothing has changed. He doesn't know why. This is kicking off the next big crossover that's going to bring things back. It's a case of a little bit of unfortunate timing, since I assume it was supposed to come out and essentially be one of those sideways tie-ins to the Flash movie, uh, which now has been kicked to next year. But as is... Uh, it's a bad... Put it to yeah. bed. The the Flash movie, don't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think we're good. Like uh, once I, I the, once the Flash, now that the Flash has entered the Speed Force um, as part of our cultural a, consciousness. A cheer moment, if there ever was one. Hundred percent. I cheer Wait, every time I say it. A cheers like, moment. Like, oh, oh no. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. yeah. That's like Sam and Diane finally getting together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but what did you think about this book and returning to the Flashpoint universe in general? Pete, I know you're a huge fan of Zero Issues. So well, you know, take? if you're going to just say all the things I'm going to say, there's no point in me talking. <laughs> it's worth it for the art alone. Go ahead, Pete. <laughs> you're a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> for more, let's oh, kick it man. to Pete LePage, uh, our <laughs> Zero Issue correspondent. I just went from so happy you're alive to, no. Okay, all right. So I think that... Well, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> One of the things that uh, is tough is zero issues are dumb. They're 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 just it, it's put it in a first issue so people want to buy it and make it seem like it matters. Um, I did like well, the zero. Zero is an important number. Like whenever I'm like, all yeah. right, we're gonna go in three, two, one. I always say zero, and then we go. Oh, great! That's just how I do it. Yeah. Well, no one ever knows. What I, I'm I doing. don't think that's a zero thing to do. I, I that's think why that you're this, a really good line producer. The fun, <laughs> the fun you know, of the. You don't have to do that too, Alex. <laughs> I'm doing all of Pete stuff. I'm doing all of Pete stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. To, uh, there's yeah, no need for me to be here. Let's um, trade. Sticks. By the way, real quick, I gotta go give the cat a treat in a second. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> 6 p.m. It's pretty um, kitty treat time. I think the <laughs> I'm Batman, I'm Batman moment was fun. Uh, but, um, yeah, otherwise, I mean, the, yeah, otherwise, it's not <laughs> I took it. I took your, it's worth it for the art alone. You were about really? to say it and then you pulled it back. I got you. I got it you. It is son worth of a bitch. it. <laughs> well, <laughs> vengeance. Um, I, the art by Ed, Eduardo Russo is great, but this book and this book goes back to like the chalkboard, uh, secret DC messages. Mm -hmm. Um, all the uh, like uh, the two. Uh, Do we need to go characters. back there? Is, are people like, oh man, you know it was great? Flashpoint. Who's saying that? Well, that's what I'm saying. This I, feels like you like it. Well, no. Here's the thing: is I was okay with Flashpoint when it happened, but I do think there has been a bit of nostalgia that has built for it over the years. And I will say, when I got into this book, even though I was like eh, okay with the crossover itself. 
getting reminded by a lot of those plot points from Flashpoint, I was like, oh, yeah, that was actually a pretty good idea. So this... I will say not to jump into the middle of what you were saying, Justin, but I was very iffy going in with this, first of all, because of the Flash movie tie-in or lack of tie-in, I guess, as well as the fact that I don't personally, at least at first, seem to have nostalgia for Flashpoint. But by the end of this book, I was like, I, I kind of dug it. Like, I liked the depiction of Thomas Wayne. I thought that was good. Yeah. Um, there's a very weird cliffhanger bringing back a character that most folks probably don't remember. Yeah. And that's okay. But there's a lot of stuff coming to bear here that I was surprised about. And I think specifically for the Jeff Johns part of the DC universe, he's tying in stuff from doomsday clock. He's tying in stuff yeah. from flashpoint. So this almost seems like a straight line through his work, not right. necessarily tying into the stuff that's happening in the rest of the DC universe. Well, that's actually what I was going to say. This feels a little self-indulgent for the first like seven or eight pages because I was like, oh, this is Jeff Johns reminding us of the stuff he likes about what he's been writing as opposed to telling us a story. But I agree with you. Once we got into the real Thomas Wayne stuff, the Thomas Wayne as Batman and Martha Wayne as Joker dichotomy, I actually really like that. No, It sort of is a, a natural no, heightening it's of not. the Batman-Joker like being this duality that needs each other. They literally do need each other because they're in a relationship and they lost their son, Bruce. Like, all that stuff is fun. The Flash, the Barry Allen uh, thing that happens in the back end, I thought was good and horrifying. Like, uh, by the end of this, I was like, I'm in. No way. Well, and I think that's obviously it didn't work for Pete, but I do think that is the point of a zero issue is to sell you on the idea of this book. And it worked for me. So there you go. He'll like it when it hits one. Yeah. Uh, one out of three people liked it. Two out of three. Nope. <laughs> okay. Two out of three dentists agree. Check out Flashpoint Beyond number zero. Electra number 100 from Marvel, the opposite of a zero. Written by Anne DeSenti, hey! Declan Shalvey, Chris Russo, and Ty Templeton. Art by wait, Sid wait. Cody. Yeah. No, go ahead and finish this part. Art by <laughs> Sid Cody and Stefano Raphael, Chris Russo, and Ty Templeton. There are two zeros in this issue. So, P, I don't know how you feel about this. This is like a double zero issue. No, 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 because there's a one first. So it can have all the zeros okay. after the I, one. I just want to say, this is, listen how you sound. I don't know like, how no, no, It's works. okay. It has a one in front of the two zeros. Like, yeah. you're a crazy person. Yeah. You're, just a cra- <laughs> you're like, these numbers. I've never not said that I'm not insane. Good point. <laughs> all right, Pete, this is more, I think, over the plate for you. How did you feel about this issue? I thought this was cool. I thought this was first off. I'm a sucker for the all the covers in the back. It's fun. It kind of feels like you're going back in time and revisiting your childhood a little bit. Where you're like, oh, I remember that cover. I remember when that came out. Um, so yeah, we're getting this kind of uh, cool uh, fight with uh, uh, you know Electra uh, and uh, this foe here, and uh, I-, I thought this was fun. You know, uh, two people battling out to the death and then kind of like things get amped up at the end. I thought it was a cool uh, Electra issue, a fun villain, um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of fighting. So, hell yeah. Justin, what about you? What did you think about this issue? This book had um, it was very complex. The, there was a lot of relationship things sort of happening at the same time between Electra and Typhoid Mary. Um mm-hmm. But I, the backup story um, written by Declan Shelby, um, I really liked about the the dance between Daredevil and Elektra. I thought that to me felt like a great, that's why I like these sort of anniversary issues where they can really seek uh, writers and artists who love these characters really like give us their short take on it. And that was my favorite part of the book. I agree. I also thought the Declan Shalvis story was really good. And the stuff from Creech Giarusso and Ty Templeton, which takes the yeah. form of comic strips, just very fun, very cute. Ty Templeton has been doing that stuff over in Carnage and Venom occasionally as well. And yeah, it's delightful. Know. More of the that. The Ty Templeton one I thought was my favorite as well, of the strips in the back. A Town Called Terror, number one from Image Comics, written by Steve Niles, art by Sizmon Kudransky. This is about a guy who is dragged back to a town that's filled with monsters by his dad for unknown reasons. Um, Steve Niles, known for like these very catchy horror concepts. Do you think this one worked as well? Well, uh, just silence. Nope. 
complete well, silence. <laughs> uh, this, I don't know what's happening quite yet. I mean, I liked the opening, sort of the cold open, where the guy's like, try putting my head on first next time. Um, that was cool, and I like the idea of a son dragged back, um, literally from his home, his bed, uh, to confront something. But we don't know what the horror is yet, just that the town was sort of shitty. Um, which I think uh, many of us um, would not love to be dragged back to our hometowns. Pete? Yeah, I mean, shitty, uh, scary towns are are shitty, so I agree with that. Yeah, I don't, we don't really What's kind of What's the scariest know. town? What's the scariest town, do you think? Uh, I think it's, uh, I think it's scary town. I think it is the scariest town. Scary town. I think mm, you did name You grew up in scary uh, town? I did appreciate the... busy the... world of Richard Scary, the holy <laughs> worm, and his tiny little hat. I did appreciate the uh, shots of this like cool looking uh, car uh, that we had in this. I thought that was great, uh, but other than that, I didn't really understand what was happening. The shading and the art was uh, fantastic. Uh, really kind of got this uh, kind of creepy tone across. Yeah, the art is really good in this book, and I agree with you guys. We just need like a little more information here because when we got to the. Well, here we are now back in this town. It's literally called Terror, and it is a town where is entirely populated by monsters. That's a very fun idea, but we didn't get to see any of that. So maybe issue two. I like that idea enough that I'm in to check out issue two, but it definitely feels like there it needs to get to something. On the other hand, let's talk about the Sandman Universe Nightmare Country, number one, from DC Comics, written by James Tynan IV, art by Lissandro Esteran and Yannick Paquette. This is following a bunch of characters from The Dreaming, as well as some new horrible nightmares that James Tynan IV has dreamed up. But specifically, the Corinthian, the character from the Sandman books, takes center stage here. Justin, I know you're a big fan, so what did you think about this one? I thought this was great. I love the Corinthian as a uh, character from the Sandman universe. One of my favorites just as like a nightmare given form that has um, teeth, uh, different uh, teeth for eyes. Uh, Three mouths. Stop. It's great. It's one of those images that feels actually pulled from a nightmare. uh, And the character that is very suave, cool, always fashionable, wearing sunglasses and just the, the mouth eyes. Um, so just a cool character that feels very real. Um, like to see, uh, him sort of tracking down, um, where people have seen him before. And then the reveal of a new character that has tongue eyes oh. is just another great extension. Like a job the, the mouth hut. eyes concept. Just the job of the hut. Creepy figure. This, this story was too creepy. The art is Not amazing. Possible. Uh, the, the story is cool. Even if I hated it. But this is just a, <laughs> a a thing that it's like uh, I, I'm going to have nightmares about this now. I know I'm going to have a nightmare, and there's going to be like a fucking smile eyes uh, with all that. It's all teeth, and it's going to freak me the fuck out. Do you think it's like if we were doing this podcast and my eyes closed and then teeth were in place of my eyes? Like if that happened right now, like and you don't, were actually don't put having that. A nightmare. I don't want to. Like you were stop. having a nightmare. Pete, stop you're trying Pete, to wake up. Here come my, my teeth eyes. Come to teeth life. eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Stop what it. would you think if I licked my eyebrows right now from oh, my eyes? Oh my with his tongue eyes. With my tongue eyes. This is such a good fit for James Tide of the Fourth in particular. He writes characters like this so well, so putting him together on a Corinthian book. But I will say I agree with Pete that it's almost the opposite problem of a town called Terror where too much is going on <laughs> in this book. Too- and I love all the individual pieces but it just keeps jarringly jumping around from one thing to another. Uh, Probably like a nightmare is the idea there. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's good stuff. About. It's still, hey. it's worth checking out and it fits right into the sad menu. Maybe somebody's at home thinking, I never have nightmares. I wonder what it would be like. Well, here's your book. Check it out. What guy is listening to the podcast? Like, Oh, I never have nightmares. Thanks. Pete. Yeah. I'll check that out. Does it just doesn't understand I a nightmare? Wished, I always wished to have a nightmare. I always wanted one. <laughs> Eternals number 11 from Marvel, written by Kira Gillen, art by <laughs> Gu Villanova. In this issue, we are teeing up the big Judgment Day event that's coming later this summer with the Avengers coming face to face with the Eternals. There's some fun back and forth here with the teams, as neither knows exactly what the other is doing, except. They also have a lot of knowledge of what the other's abilities is. I'm having a blast reading this book. What about you guys? 
I mean, you know who's having is, a blast with this book is Kieran Gillen because the narration in this is like uh, is what is just like loose fun, just like hey hey look at this. these guys don't know what's happening over here. Like it's like someone heckling the comic book that you're reading <laughs> as they're telling you it's happening, which it's fun and especially something as big as and it's sort of like not to borrow from a lot of people's takes on the movie sort of like stoic and a little bit boring as the Eternals can be uh, to have this like freewheeling narrator throughout to keep it going I think is great and the Thanos um, exploring the um, his ancestor uh, Uranus I think is his name um, and finding his like weapon cache and all that has the edge to make this book scary wait wait, Thanos is uh, uh, looking up his heritage is it's called urinal cakes how are are you (laughs) Uh, no, yeah. this is uh, this is a gorgeous book. Uh, it's uh, yeah, I mean, it says right on the cover, Judgment Day is coming, so it's just a matter of time until it gets here. But man, uh, before wow. that comes, this is very dark tidings from Pete LePage. Be <laughs> <laughs> calling Judgment Day is coming soon. <laughs> Let's move on then and talk about Breakout Number One from Dark Horse Comics, written by Zach Kaplan, art by Wilton Santos. Now, before I get to the concept of this book, I want to walk you through my feelings about reading this book. Did you oh, go through? While this I was thing? reading this, I thought exclusively about what you're about to say. I think. Oh, okay. So I saw the title, and in my head I was like, ha, 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 it's a comic adaptation of the video game Breakout. And then I started reading it, and I was like, oh, it's a bunch of teenagers. They're dealing with school shootings. And then I got to, like, page three or four, and there's a lot of narration, like, that's when the cubes came. And I was like, oh, my God, is this actually an adaptation of the game Breakout? And then it's not at all. It's actually a different concept. But it definitely threw me for the first couple of pages. Was that also what you were thinking, Justin? Uh, not exactly, but that is cool. Uh, I agree. I, we gotta we gotta hit these cubes with the tiny ball that we pilot. <laughs> I guess. I, I do. Uh, I did. Uh, uh, like Alex, go on an emotional roller coaster. Where at first I was like, "What the fuck is this?" By the end, though, this comic really wins you over. Just uh, yeah. l- let me give you a very basic overview of the plot, and this is spoilers because a lot of the first issue is about setting up the concept. But it takes place in this world where these giant cubes have showed up and started kidnapping kids up to about age 18 or so. Um, The people in the world have seen videos of some of the kids inside, but it is this whole metaphor about school shootings in terms of they've given up on them, they've just decided this is part of life, this is how we have to live it. But there's a couple of kids who decide, you know what we're going to do is we're going to break into these cubes, find out what's going on, and break everybody out. So it's essentially Ocean's Eleven with sort of this alien alternate universe. You don't know exactly what's going on concept. So very high concept, very fun. Justin, now I'm curious to know what you were thinking. Uh, well, I was I was just going to say that I I really liked this book. I thought it it um, it did catch me off guard from the I was like, oh, this feels super heavy um, out of the gate. And then by the end of it, I was like, I love this. It just moves seamlessly from sort of the problem, the sci-fi problem, into like the, the pulling the team together and getting I- going. I was really hoping, though, that we were going to get, you know, somebody like an Adam Sandler or Kevin James to show up and, you know, just kind of be like, hey, we used to play this game in the 80s and we'll save the day. Yeah, I don't think it's actually based on Breakout, just to mention. I I don't think so either. And it is funny that you were like, you know what this book needs? A little Kevin James. (laughs) Well, I was doing a (laughs) Pixels. Here comes the boom. Oh, Pixels. Okay, yeah, that is the movie that I I always think of all the time. Wonder Woman number 786 from DC Comics, written by Becky Cluden, Michael W. Conrad, and Jordi Belair. Excuse me, art by Rosie Comp and Paulina Ganeschow. In this issue, we're continuing with the trial of the Amazons, and despite the fact that the island is falling apart under them, they're just barreling ahead. With this trial, they got to go forward no matter what. And in the backup story, we're following young Wonder Woman. Um, what do you guys think about this one? I know we've been a little back and forth on Trial of the Amazon. So how do you think it's working about halfway, maybe more through? Oh, Justin, you have a uh, you have a point. Pete, you also have a point. Uh, for those of you listening on the audio podcast, they're both raising their hands. Who are you going to pick? <laughs> Who gets to go first? Yeah, come on, teacher. I can just talk about it. I can just no. lecture. I can lecture. <laughs> Nobody wants that. <laughs> Pete, go ahead. 
Yay! All right. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm enjoying this. I'm feeling like this kind of like set up for this kind of trial. Uh, but then we kind of get this turn, which I really enjoyed creatively, where these uh, uh, Amazons who are kind of on trial then fall through the center of the kind of arena and have this different adventure they have to go on and kind of work together in a, in a kind of a different way. I, I, I thought this was a cool kind of setup and then left turn. I very much enjoy uh, where this is going and how this is kind of all unfolding of like, all right, we're going to separate these other kind of Amazons from this problem and they kind of work their way back. And hopefully when they get back, they can kind of like help what's already going on. Uh, but also the kind of like uh, Shira feel good backup story is fantastic. Um, I feel like I've been a little bit uh, harsher on this book, but I feel like this issue, I was like, yes, now it feels yeah. like it's kicked off. Yeah. Um, all of the, the fighters have been moved to this other place where they are being hunted by, I am assuming, a series of different um, gods, uh, which I think is great. And meanwhile, back on, on, on Themyscira, everyone else is trying to figure out what happened and why. Like, this feels like the promise that the book was putting out there. Uh, so I'm glad we're finally here, and I love it. Yeah, the underground snake lady is, uh, you know. Yeah, that's scary. where you see an underground snake lady is underground. Yeah. <laughs> X-Men 92. Have you ever been underground? <laughs> X-Men 92, House of XCII from Marvel, written by Steve Fox, art by Salva Espin. The concept of this book is, what if X-Men the animated series was doing the current continuity of X-Men. So they're on Krakoa, they're getting uh, resurrected, they're walking through the whole plot with Orcus and everything. This is great. I this, I was like, what? I can't believe this is <laughs> happening. But I agree with you. I thought this was great. I thought it worked completely. It made me excited about it. Really? Pete, you don't like the Krakoa stuff anyway, but I'm sure you like X-Men, the animated series, right? I did love you X-Men, love the Morph. animated uh, series. Uh, this has a fun 90s vibe to it, like this, uh, you know, where you have 92. like who wrote it and all this kind of stuff. It has this like Saved by the Bell logo stuff that is very nostalgic mm-hmm. and great. And it kind of like, you know, you see the Wolverine kind of straight from the animated series and that kind of stuff. It just sucks that we're taking something that I love so much in the 90s and then bringing it to the shithole that we're in today. You know yeah, could I mean? you imagine if they took stuff from the 90s and reinvented it for the modern day? That would be awful. I'm I mean, I want hits that. from no the 80s, 90s, that. and today. Mm. Wait, you specifically said you don't want today. You just uh, was, want yeah, the 80s I and 90s. I just was doing like a radio No, I know what you were uh, doing, but you... Okay. I, did, um, I did get that. Uh, what point? I... I think that this, uh, this, I thought you would like this more, Pete, because it, it does boil down the Krakoa stuff to get to these characters sort of in their prime, which is what you appreciate about the X-Men. Well, it's a great reveal at the end about a character that you'd like to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you guys are reaching hard, and I appreciate what we're trying to do here. But yeah, unfortunately, we're still at Krakoa. Okay, so I guess we're just gonna have to bring like Ted Lasso into the Krakoa universe, and then you'll be <laughs> no! like, "Yes, I love this." Leave Krakoa alone. His mutant power is believing. <laughs> <laughs> the Wrong Earth, Fame and Fortune, number one from Ahoy Comics, written by Mark Russell, David Hyde, art by Michael Montanot and Marco Finnegan. In this issue, we are revisiting Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man, two different Batman esque characters who live one on a dark, gritty. 90s, 2000s style Earth, and the other one on a very 1960s Batman Earth. But as usual with a Mark Russell book, pointing out a lot about economic inequality um, and uh, business versus the common man and unions. What do you think about this issue? I thought this was awesome. This is such a great... What what Mark Russell does with this book is we see both um, of these sort of the, the super bright version and the sort of darker, grittier version of... of the, the, this, this this Bruce Wayne type building a stadium and like we're gonna do our best and get it done and they're like all the scumbaggery that's happening behind the scenes and you're like oh obviously like the good guy's doing the right thing but at the, as you read it you're like oh they're both all doing the same things it's just we're seeing the different sides of it and it all goes wrong in the same way in both universes just making this point like 
the compromise exists in in our economic system in our world and you don't it's bad people do bad things and good things and uh there are consequences for for pursuing that and and just rushing to do something that you maybe you shouldn't be doing anyway and i thought it was just such a good poignant book it's great it's Pete? Cool. Oh, it's nice to hear what justin says about it i mean that's awesome <laughs> Mad. Well, I've never ever heard you say that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was really well done and well written as well as usual. Very satirical and good and a good package. I continue to be impressed by what Ahoy Comics is doing. Moving on to Suicide Squad Blaze Book Two from DC Comics, written by Simon Spurrier, art by Aaron Campbell. This uh, book, we're following a bunch of new criminals who have been given superpowers, but with a little caveat that they are going to die very, very soon of the superpowers. In addition, as we found out the last issue, if one of them does die, the superpowers are amped up in each of the remaining people. They're teaming up with the Suicide Squad to face this villain who, as we find out on this issue, is capable of ripping the spine out of Superman. So just to give you an idea of how dark and twisted and upsetting it gets... Um, this is great. Like, I think I said this is the first issue as well, but this is a black label book that is really hitting all the notes of what this nouveau vertigo should be in exactly the right way. Uh, what about you guys? How are you feeling about it? Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Uh, art's really great. At some parts of it, though, the arts, it, it, it's like so dark, it was kind of like hard to see. I felt like it was taking away a little bit from the enjoyment of what was happening. But um, I think this is a fun, over the top kind of cool black label idea. And I feel like they're executing it. Um, I agree. Honestly, I feel like we've seen with the two movies, we've seen so much of the Suicide Squad in comic book form uh, over the last tie-ins and just over the last few years. Um, it's great to see the Suicide Squad sort of idea, premise, brought to a new level that I think really works. Uh, it's not just them running around with bombs in their heads. It's their very powers themselves are killing them, and it gives them a reason to go after each other in that their powers are amped up, like you said, Alex. So I thought it's great. I thought the art was really cool and just really taking the time in these larger pages to show wild, cool things that I think not a lot of comics take the time to just be like, this is going to be cool. It's like stunting. They're stunting in the middle of this book with just some great, great one-pagers. This podcast is sponsored by The Coldest Water. Get 10% off your first order by using code CBC at coldest.com. This week's episode is sponsored by Lost Without Japan. Lost Without Japan is a podcast all about making someone's dream of a first trip to Japan come true, or making their return trip to Japan even better than the first one. If you're interested in Japanese culture, interviews about Japan, and Japanese travel recommendations, this is the podcast for you. You can check out Lost Without Japan, No Spaces, on Instagram and all major streaming platforms right now. Lost Without Japan, a bi-weekly adventure on all things Japan. Next up, Rain, number four from Image Comics, written by yeah. David M. Boer, based on the story by Joe Hill, art by Zoe Thorogood. This is almost wrapping up the story of a world where rain has turned into sharp needle-like things, mostly killing everybody. We've been following this main character who's been trying to visit her girlfriend's father to tell him that her girlfriend and I believe her girlfriend's mom are dead. Um, we get a very dark reveal and a twist in this issue about that before we start to wrap up here. I know we've been loving the series, but how'd you guys feel about this issue in particular? Uh, yes, Pete, thank you for okay. raising your hand. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying this. This is uh, one of my favorites uh, uh, from the stack this week. I really love the art. Oh, the I stack love... podcast? Ooh. No, the nice. stack talk Wait, that we do. The, the fact <laughs> that we just talk at each <laughs> other. Talking. Stack talking. Yeah, we're just the talking. We're stack talking. Um, yeah, I, uh, I just feel like this is, I, I just love this tension of like the the rain that they're kind of dealing with and then also 
it makes everything else kind of in life more heightened. So like these cho- choices that she's making to go outside and to kind of go on these adventures, it's just kind of like this extra kind of feel that they do really well. The art's unbelievable. Uh, very cool storytelling, very cool characters. Uh, yeah, very impressed with this. I was worried that it would be like too scary. You know, Joe Hill, you think, oh God, what am I getting into? But this is... Uh, it's such an, an enjoyable story that you don't mind the kind of terror aspect as much. And, you know, it just makes me worried about Justin a little bit because he doesn't believe in umbrellas. He just goes out yeah. in the rain and likes to fucking dance between the rain, raindrops. And, you know, I worry about him. <laughs> That's really nice. But, uh, yeah, I don't like umbrellas. I Do believe you, in them. Real quick, you guys know the story about the rabbis and the witches, right? No. Uh, witches are melted by rain, and there's a, a very famous story, I believe it's uh, a Yiddish story or something from Poland, about these rabbis who lure the witches out, and they say, oh, we'll dance with you. We can teach you how to dance between the raindrops. And the witches are like, that sounds great. And then they dance with them, and of course they can't, and so they get wet and the witches die. Oh, those rabbis lied to those nice witches. What the yeah. fuck? Well, the <laughs> lesson of it is that rabbis always lie. Fucking rabbis, man. What the hell? Mm-hmm. Never believe a rabbi. They're going to fucking kill you. <laughs> Holy yeah, it, shit, man. Is this a Yiddish story or a witch yeah. story? <laughs> I'm not sure I, oh, yeah. Oh, it's from the witch perspective. I forgot. This is sponsored by... Uh... Oh, man. <laughs> wow. Uh, great stuff. Big all rabbi the over Pete here. Fully taking the witch side here. Did you could uh, just call me a big rabbi. No, you know, big rabbi. You're all. Team, you work uh, for big rabbi. Yeah, oh yeah, I work for big rabbi. Yeah. I'm on the advertising team. Did you just call me a big rabbi? <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Oh yes, I work for big rabbi. Don't yeah, call yeah. me oh, a big yeah. rabbi. I'm on the advertising team. Uh, if you, by the way, just to mention to any listeners, if you scan the QR code that's included in this podcast, <laughs> you're going to get a really great access to some rabbis. Oh, my oh God. <laughs> nice. That's what everybody and needs. Just don't go dancing in the rain with them. Yeah, um, you're going to melt. Fucking liars. Speaking of rain, number four. <laughs> Um, I thought that this was such a dark turn in this in this story, and it really felt like a, the final issue. I'm so curious what we're going to get in the next issue. Maybe uh, some a standalone story or something that pushes it into potentially more. Because this book is great. 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 Superman, Son of Kal-El, number 10 from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by C.N. Tormey. In this issue, Superman is dealing with the fallout of his big fight against a sea monster with Aquaman last issue, which uh, led to Lex Luthor, who's been working with Harry Bendix, I believe is the character's name. Henry, Um, I believe. Henry Bendix. To bring in a new race of Supermen and discredit uh, Superman, Superman, and Lois Lane, his mommy, work together this issue mm-hmm. to take down Lex Luthor. Don't Pete, undercut. Don't undercut mommies and all no, the hard work they do. Don't undercut Lois Lane and you know you, you all know, the, the way incredible you, work tone that, that you mommies kind of was, do. Oh my god! To mommy their baby sunny boys. Oh my god! Pete? What is happening? Come on, Pete. That's the term you use. <laughs> don't don't give me a come on. Come on. Come on. What happens? Oh my come God. on. Look, Back Alex up the truck, Alex is still eating right? your lunch. Alex uh, is still eating your lunch. This is an amazing book. All your stupid Puff comments. Puff the fluff, aside, man. Puff the fluff. Hey, hey. All your stupid comments aside, this is a great <laughs> book. Uh, I love to see Lex Luthor taking down a peg here. That was awesome. Lois Lane being one of the greatest moms ever in this was so cool. Mommies. Great mommy. No, don't undercut what she's doing with the with what you're doing, okay? I, I don't appreciate it. But I just think that, like, and then they're just kind of like, oh, Batman's here. He doesn't trust anyone. It's, this is fun. This is great. Uh, it's uh, This Superman Son of Kal-El run has been an epic, epic Superman book, and uh, they're killing it. If you don't like us calling Lois Lane a mommy, you, you, I'm starting to think maybe you don't like us calling you a cat daddy or a kitty daddy or a pretty <laughs> kitty daddy or any of those terms that we throw around a lot on this show. It's true. I don't. Wow. Okay, should we start calling you, you a cat mommy instead? <laughs> I wish you'd been able to signal your displeasure in some way, and then we could know and not do it anymore. Um, again, this book just keeps moving. It's like it feels so like meticulously done and 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 put together in a great way. Like the lasso of truth stuff is so good in this. Oh my and god! Then, 
the last page reveal and the arrival of Batman here is just great, just chess moves that Tom Taylor is doing uh, with this book right now. King Spawn, number nine from Image Comics, written by Sean Lewis, art by Thomas Natchlick. This is a battle royale in the green as Spawn goes mano a mano with Gaia, uh, Mother Earth herself, and finds yeah. out some interesting information about his believed to be dead wife. Um, so big stuff going down here. Pete, you're the resident Spawn fan. How'd you feel about this issue? This is really just unbelievable spawn stuff. I know uh, there I'm having so much spawn fun with this book that uh, it's surprising. Um, and kind of this interesting exploration of like, um, you know, what Wanda is to Al and what does that mean? You know, if he really, you know, cause for so long, um, all he's wanted is to have Wanda back and to kind of restart his life with uh, the love of his life and how, you know, what that would mean. But then also the fear that comes with that, like what he would have to give up, uh, you know, this anger that's kind of made him King Spawn, like what that would mean for him now. Very interesting, very cool, great kind of place to put Spawn after he's been on all these crazy adventures in hell and all this stuff. I feel like this is an interesting kind of take with this. And uh, such a cool book. The art's intense and over the top and great in a lot of ways. But uh, very cool. I'm having a great time with this. Yeah, this is good. I mean, I love how quickly they moved uh, forward with the the sort of Kingslayer uh, story and got to got to where we are. But I think Pete sort of said it best. So I don't know why I'm even talking. <laughs> Bad Girls number five from DC Comics Written by Becca Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad Art by Jorge Corona In this issue, as they have for the past several issues The Bat Girls are dealing with a bunch of different threats Excuse me, all at the same time Crisscrossing throughout Gotham uh, What do you guys think about this one? Justin? Uh, I This book is so good it, it really is carving out its own little section of the Bat family and uh, it, the characters are having so much fun. I'm a um, sucker for spoiler. Um, so uh, I love seeing her here. And the art style um, is Hell sort yeah. of a little darker than you would expect for a book where they're just Talk like, having fun, having fun. But then by the end of it, we get into some sort of more horror-y elements. So I think it all, that's why I love that it comes together in such a way at the end of this issue that I, I really think this book is great. You want to talk about like pull lists or things that you look forward to in your stack, or like a stack. Yeah, uh, this is been solid since the jump. Uh, this team on this, the art, the the kind of the way these characters interact has been such a revelation for the Bat family. I'm really hoping that moving forward, DC realizes kind of what they have here and start kind of bringing this to the forefront because this is a lot of fun. This is great adventures, really cool perspectives. The art's really kind of driving this in such a cool way. This is just solid from top to bottom. Next up, Noctera, number nine from Image Comics, written by Scott Snyder, art by Tony S. Daniel. In this issue, our heroes have had to team up with Blacktop Bill. They find out some oh, big man. secrets on their road to hopefully repair the world. But, of course, as usual, some bad things happen along the way. Pete, seems like you're pretty excited about this one. What was your take? Yeah, this is... First off, art is bananas good. I mean, this is just unbelievable. Oh, I forgot to say that one. It was bananas, bananas good. It was yeah, bananas yeah. Good. It's really just unbelievable. The character designs, all these villains that we're kind of like meeting. And each issue, we're kind of getting like different bads. And each time, it's creepy in all different ways. So it's really impressive the kind of reveals that we're getting along the way. And then the twists and turns. Here they're like already teaming up with the bad guy in this, and this continues to be such a fun, creepy team up uh, that just kind of heightens where they are. And uh, yeah, man, I'm enjoying the crap out of this. When it, with the book moved into the sort of the second season vibe of having this group of people and they're on the road and having Blacktop Bill there, like I think it's this story's really moving fast now. Yeah, and uh, it's good. This, uh, I mean, we've talked about this being a TV series or something. I feel like this has like very Walking Dead vibes. If you're not mm -hmm. reading this yet and like The Walking Dead, I would pick it up. Also, one of one of my favorite kind of uh, 
you know, I've always wanted to just uh, walk up on somebody who was talking shit about me and just kicking that, you know, kicking their plate right into their face and making, you know, like You've it's a really fun panel. Yeah, real fun panel there. Hmm. Huh. We could make that happen. Yeah, I think that's uh, an achievable goal. Naomi <laughs> season two, number two from DC Comics, written by Brian Michael Bendis and David F. Walker, art by Jamal Campbell. A little bit of a pluggy poo before we get into anything else. David pluggy F. Walker poo. is going to be our guest on our live show next Tuesday at 7 p.m. <laughs> so we'll definitely be talking to him about this. So Naomi is dealing with a bunch of stuff at the same time. We get a flashback here to when she first got her powers before jumping back to the present, where she's dealing with a missing friend and some new and returning threats. What do you guys feel about this issue? This has been slowly growing on me. Sorry, Justin, didn't mean to jump That's, in I, mean, I was just about to say the same thing. I'm coming this around has been on this. slowly growing, and like we're kind of seeing what the kind of what this is about, where things have been going with this. And we're finally kind of hitting a pace and a thing. And this issue that I feel like is really kind of uh, uh, getting to where we want it. Uh, I feel like it had such a great ending kind of to this issue. Uh, I'm really liking the choices that are happening finally. And it feels like it's moving in on all uh, uh, kind of rolling on all the cylinders and moving in the right direction cylinders. now. So I've been, yeah. uh, this is great. It's like rolling on all the bananas, you know? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's uh, on, uh, I agree with you. Banana control. Is that a banana control? The uh, <laughs> This is, um, I've always, I was down on this a little bit because it felt like it, Naomi was always just like, I'm new here. What's happening? And mm-hmm. this feels like it is moving past that a little bit and able to just have it be like in the last page reveal, I thought was awesome. Yeah. And, uh Having a character have a little bit more agency and not just be like this wide-eyed innocent, I think, is makes for a better story. Next up, fun with Little Archie and Friends special number one from Archie Comics, written by Shannon Waters, Jay Torres, and Jamie L. Rotante. Art by Aaron Hunting, Adrian Ropp, and Agnes Garbowska. In this issue, this is focusing on, as you can probably figure out for the title, adorable little chibi-style characters of the Archie Comics group. However, the main plot of the book is that Sabrina has a magical goot who she takes to visit everybody, and it takes them through a bunch of different tales. We get little riffs on the TV shows where Reggie runs a game of griffins and gargoyles, among Ah. other things. But this was adorable and delightful. Uh, How did you guys think? How how do you guys think? uh, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. All these ideas keep just appearing in my brain. Alex, help. These thought pictures. What's happening? Uh, yeah, this is just adorable turned up to 11 here. Um, I, I think it, the, just the little things in the back are so hysterical. The gone fishing with You're Reggie. talking about butts? No, I'm talking about, uh. Talking about butt? People's butts? No, I'm talking about, uh, the gone fishing with Reggie, uh, thing uh, at the I got end. You. The story's hysterical. at the end of this. I I'm looking you. for a girl with a little something in the back. You know what I'm talking about? A butt. Oh. But I'm it. not talking about that. Everybody's uh, got one. Everybody's got one. Yeah. That makes my choices much easier. <laughs> I don't know what's happening anymore, but yeah, this is adorable and really fun. Just trying to figure out what your new catchphrase is going to be. <laughs> I, I love those little things in the back. Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> it could be oh, on God, the back of a t-shirt. Now I'm going <laughs> to. No, you don't have to do it. I have to do it. It's going to be a picture of Pete being like, old man, and then like a butt what? just like sticking out yeah. there. Be like, wait, what was it? I love those little things in the back. Yeah. <laughs> don't tell him. He won't I make love those. Alex is putting it on the t shirt list. Because I'll tell you what, I'm buying one of the Pete's back- backup shirts. <laughs> uh, available Ridiculous at um, our cafe press. Uh, <laughs> Hey, it's comicbookclub.threadless.com, all right? There it is. Uh, That reminds Uh, me, we have a bunch of Doom Patrol t-shirts that I need to launch live. Uh, For anybody listening to the Stack podcast, we have a new podcast called The Doom Room, which is all about Doom Patrol that's available currently all 34 episodes at patreon.com slash comicbookclub. Otherwise, we're going to be rolling it out once a week. And there's uh, two related t-shirts that I'm going to launch live. uh, (laughs) Are you serious? Can't wait for that. Uh, I think this book is cute. I was surprised about all the Riverdale references. This this feels very rooted in the Riverdale Archies, little versions of them. 
which I thought was cool. And uh, more Griffins and Gargoyles. I'll play. Image Comics 30th Anniversary Anthology Number 1 from Image Comics by... There we go. Deep breath. Jeff Johns, Andrea Muddy, Rob Lee, Declan Shelby, Clinton Coyles, Wyatt Kennedy, Luana Vecchio, Wes Craig, Jason Wordy, Scotty Young, Nate Picos, Mirka Andolfo, Chiara DeFrancia, Fabio Amelia, Brendan Fletcher, Erica Henderson, Kyle Higgins, Daniela DiNicolo, Walter Biamonte, Katia Ranali, Becca Carey, Patrick Kinlan, Maurizio Rosenzweig, Jim Campbell, and Dean Hashbull. And Pete, uh, if you could do this one next time, I think that would be really great. Would you mind? Yeah, yeah, no problem. I'll, uh, All right. The next 30-year hey, anniversary, I got it. All right. Well, there's an issue number two coming, so you could probably do it then. But as you could probably figure out, this is an anthology of a bunch of current and classic image creators doing stories that either tie into the current books they're doing or don't (laughs) or are very much their own thing. Um, There's a bunch of them that are going to run over the course of, I believe, 12 issues of this anthology. As usual with this sort of thing, it's going to be a mixed bag in a positive sense, I would say, because we love mixed bags here. But what did you guys think about this? What jumped out at you? What did you think about this anthology? When I go to the grocery store, I say, hey, just give me a mixed bag. I don't care what I mean. Just mix it up. Put it (laughs) in a bag for me. I'll take a lettuce, a handful of uh, screws, and some (laughs) pop rocks. And that's what I call a mixed bag. Oh, my God. uh, can I can I throw something out of here that's just oh, because boy. it's like my negative opinion, so hopefully we can pivot to some positive opinions. Really like these creators here. I'm a big fan of a bunch of them, and I think a bunch of these stories are really good. I wanted to say something a little wilder or more iconic out of this. And what I mean oh. is that, like, for a 30th anniversary Image Comics anthology, and I believe they did something for 25, so maybe they did that sort of stuff there of, like, I think that's where Robert Kirkman did a Rick Grimes story, like Rick Grimes fighting space aliens or something like that. So, like, that's the sort of thing I want out of this was like either, oh, this is classic image comics. I know what I'm getting here or things that are absolutely wild over the top. But instead, what I felt like was we got a lot of stories that were very good. There was like there was good art. There was good writing, but it didn't say Image Comics 30th anniversary to me. Pete, you have a Uh, counterpoint here? Well, I just feel like, you know, as far as mixed bags go, this was something that I was looking forward to as far as a mixed bag of like, all right, this is 30 years of image. You're going to get some, you're going to get some iconic stuff. You're going to get some stuff that's like, maybe you didn't know about this or here's some, we're going to shine a light on different image projects, different kind of image stuff. And like, I, you know, that's exactly what you got. Some of it was kind of like, oh, this is really cool. Some of it's like, oh, I don't know about this, or maybe I should, uh, you know, do some more research or, or look into this. But I think they did a good job of being like, here's a bunch of different kind of things that we've been kind of either touched on or a part of or whatever. So uh, I thought it was as far as like, I can understand what you're saying, like maybe a little bit of like, 30 years of image, a little bit of like, maybe like, but creatively I thought it was interesting what they were trying to do and the different ways that they were trying to do it. You know, you had the kind of meta thing of like, Oh shit, I got to do this thing. And like, it's me on a page thinking about what I'm going to draw on a page, but you know, you're going to get stuff like that with different projects. So I feel like, uh, there was some really cool character stuff that we got to kind of spotlight in this, and uh, spend some more time with things that we might not normally get to see. So I was kind of happy with that. I feel like this this episode is aging, UP. You've gotten into a gravelly voice as we've gone <laughs> on. You're becoming uh, Batman. <clears throat> um, I, as a counterpoint to what you said, Alex, I think, while this doesn't celebrate all the image comics that have come before, what it does is sort of pay off the image idea from from 30 years ago, which is like, Let's get some creators and have them take a swing at a creator-owned idea that they like. And that's what I think this is. This feels like, look, here's a new generation of image um, uh, creators that we are highlighting their new takes. And there was there were a lot of things that I, I liked in here. Uh, the, the Jeff John story at the front I thought was yeah. cool. 
Uh, I liked um, the creators from the book Bolero that we read. We've read recently on the stack. I yeah. I really like their uh, their thing. Yeah, that was Wyatt Kennedy and Luana Vecchio. I think they had the story correct. of this guy who's really in love with a girl. They end up going to karaoke and spoiler here, but she turns out to be a horrible demon that slaughters people. I thought that one was really good as well. And just to be clear, I like the stories in here. I think there was solid art. There was solid writing. I guess I wanted something different about it, but I'm glad to hear from your guys' perspective as well. Yeah. You even got some weird pervy shit in here. Like this is right up your alley. I also really (laughs) like it. Too far, Pete. I also really like giving you a compliment, man. The, the old dog story was great. I enjoyed the old that. Dog story was very the good. Old dog yeah. was great. The West Craig story I thought was really yeah. Cool. There's some yeah. uh, quality like, stuff. Next issue, like there was a teaser at the end where it was like next issue an ice cream man story, and I was like, okay, yeah, that's that's what I want. I think that's they're what building up for. Yeah, and I like the the Kyle Higgins story. Yeah, and Higgins sort of in the. Um, his universe. So that cool. to me, setting something in the Radiant Black universe, uh, the character is Shift. Is that the name of Shift. it? Shift. Yep. Shift. Um, I felt like that was something that was exactly on what I wanted out of this because Radiant Black is clearly the new Invincible. And for them to put that in there, that felt like, yes, this is where Image is right now and where it's going to be for at least the next five years, if not longer. So, yeah. Uh, but worth picking up. Good stuff. Uh, let's talk about Batman Catwoman, number 11 from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Clay Mann. We are almost at the end of this story here, and some big stuff goes down in this issue, particularly with Andrea Belmont, I believe, who is the Phantasm, as well mm-hmm. as some other characters named Batman, Catwoman, and the Joker. Pete, what did you think about this one? Well, I had a question. Um is this uh, number 11 of 12, or how many are we getting out of this? Yes. Because this correct. seems like, you know, the penultimate here, so I just wanted to... This is the penultimate the, issue, the, yes. Yeah, That's the windows right. and stuff. You. I just wanted to make sure I was on, on the right and track with that. You must have liked this because there was two ones right next to each other. I did. You know what I mean? You know what's better than one? Two of them right next to each mm-hmm. other. Um, yep. All right, so... Uh, First That's what off, I love about ones. Art. I keep getting older and they keep being ones. All right, all right, all right. right <laughs> creepy, creepy fucking guy. Stop. <laughs> Anyways. Creepy about ones? Yeah, Pete? that's right. You make okay. ones creepy. Like, that's how creepy you are. Anyways. One the is the art... creepiest number. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, the art is just spectacular. Uh, yes. the, the, just the highest level of banana achievable. Um, and <laughs> I feel, banana. yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just, award you the top banana, the best banana, the greenest banana for your eating. I'm just, uh, love green bananas. Yeah. This is just like hitting an extra sweet spot of like, not only are we dealing with a bat and cat relationship, but also uh, touching on Mask of the Phantasm, which to me was one of the greatest Batman movies of all time. Um, And this is just really, really spectacular writing. Love it. I'm eating this up. Uh, Please don't end. I don't know. I can't deal with just one more issue. This is really fun. Well, I mean, I feel like we've talked about this book and sort of how it got a little perhaps too big narratively for the story that we for some sort of started with for some people. Uh, but it feels like we're coming back to, to land it, which a lot of Tom King's book uh, books do. Yeah. Uh, the art is fantastic. Um, I really like the um, the use of Nightwing in this with the uh, Batman of the future, um, Bat and Cat's daughter, um, Helena. Yeah. The, the Joker stuff was fun here. And... I'm just excited for where we're going to end, uh, hopefully coming back to the Bat-Cat relationship to see what it all means. Last but not least, this was a request from ZurNR45 on iTunes. As mentioned, if you'd like to request a old graphic novel, OGN, a comic book that we reviewed, but maybe you haven't talked about it in a while, anything like that, leave us a rating and a comment over on iTunes. But Batman Dark Victory from DC Comics, written by Jeff Loeb, art by Tim Sale. This is a direct sequel to Batman The Long Halloween. Pete, you are giving a come on type gesture. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, when, as soon out. as you say Tim Sale, I mean, come out. 
You want to talk about bananas art? I mean, this guy is the king banana. Forget you know, about Tim. Banana Sale, you're man Tim sold. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> when Eric eats a banana, he becomes banana man. I think that this is just uh, no idea. The, seeing Batman in Tim Sale's art. I mean, what more do you want out of life? I mean, this is just really cool. I just love it. I love every single second of it. Uh, the ending was a little weird. Like I felt like we had like two or three endings and then it was kind of like a sad guy next to a can of gasoline, which I felt like deescalated a little bit, but um, Grundy was great. It was great to see all these different Tim sale takes on characters. The Catwoman, uh Tim sale Catwoman was unbelievable. Grundy. Like it was just really cool to see these kind of iconic villains in the hands of Tim sale. So like, wow, uh, worth it for the art alone. Thank I would just say real that. quick before Justin picks it up, that seeing a sad guy next to a can of gasoline is a really good metaphor for the current price of gas, I think. Oh. So that was very precedent. But <laughs> nice. go ahead, Well Justin. done. Well I don't done, know if sir. I would call that a metaphor if you're talking about gas. It's a metaphor. A representation a metaphor. of gas. A simile? Is it more of a simile? Yeah, definitely. Gas, yeah. gas is so expensive, you burn your house down with it? Is that what the... Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think I have a gas-powered home, so I I'm feeling oh, the gas. You know, I just put, fill it up, drive it over. Fill uh, it. You have one of those things from that. I'm forgetting the name of it. <laughs> thing where um, London is a city and it crawls across the Howl's know, Moving Castle. Oh wow. No. Oh, I'll that movie, that live action movie. Yeah, yes, action. it's called like uh, something like two words. It's like unknown objects or something like that. Oh, yeah. It's something... Yes. I'll look it up. You talk oh, about what's it. happening, Dark Victor. Uh, this, uh, this series, um, it, like, like Pete's talking about, like we're talking about, the art is fantastic. It does, I think, suffer from a little bit of sequelitis, where the story is a little, less, a little less tied down because it's, it's reintroducing characters from the, uh, the earlier story and like trying to like, integrate them into a new story. So it, it feels like it's a little bit all over the place, but... It, it, it's great. Like you can't, no one does it like uh, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. And so like it, it scratches a very particular itch that I think you just love to revisit uh, anytime. Totally agree with that. Real quick. Mortal engines is Mortal the name engine. of the movie. Yeah. And I think the villain in it is named Valentine. And also the villain in mortal instruments is Valentine, which is, very weird. What is that Not a apropos of this, but uh, I agree with you completely, Justin, that, and I agree with you also, Pete, that like Tim Sale's art is the true hero here in this book. Revisiting it, I honestly forgot it was this good. Like, I love Tim Sale's art anyway, but even for the first couple of pages, the different mediums that he's working in throughout are so gorgeous in this book. And like you said, though, Justin, it doesn't it's not quite as tight of a mystery as Long Halloween. It does suffer from sequelitis, but at the same time, it's completely worth reading, and it is a worthy successor to that. It feels like if you like Long Halloween, here's more in this take <laughs> exactly, on Batman's yeah. world. Yeah. And it's also given that the Batman is out, and as we're taping this, the Batman is going to be on HBO Max next week. All this right. Yeah, this is a great thing to read because they like literally yeah. pulled panels and discussions and shots and things from this as well as Long Halloween, but like very specifically from Dark Victory, um, where you can see it on screen there. So like it's a very good prep to read this stuff as well as Haunted Night. Also, is it Catwoman in Rome, I think, is Ooh, yeah. the other one that they wrote. Um, just all of that stuff. Long Halloween is like the crowd jewel there, the but perfect, yeah. they're all good. What were you going to say, exactly. Pete? Yeah, I just wanted to circle back around. Like, you know, we have like a lot of like instances of Batman growing or trying to be better or whatever. And the kind of moment where, you know, you know, spoilers, uh, but where Robin kind of like saves Batman and kind of he has this moment of like, oh man, if Robin wasn't in my life, I'd be in real trouble was like interesting. And the way that kind of Batman talked to Commissioner Gordon of like, oh, you got someone new on your team. Like, yeah, you'll meet him. Like it was such a, 
it was a well done introduction of Robin into the world. You know, sometimes when you see Batman and Robin, people roll their eyes. But like, uh, there was even a moment where Batman was like, "What are you wearing, bro?" But like, it was uh, done in in an interesting way, and it kind of in a way that kind of like makes Batman seem more human, which doesn't happen a lot. So. Uh, yeah, I'd forgotten about like how great this was. And so I'm glad that we got to revisit this and kind of, uh, especially before the, uh, rewatching the Batman a bunch of times, man, looking forward to that. Great. Three hour movie, plenty of time just to delve into that and watch it on repeat. I I definitely did fall asleep when I saw in the theater at 10 PM. So I, it'll be great to just also not fall asleep again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you for recommending that one Zero NR45 Again if you'd like to recommend something Go to the iTunes comments Leave a rating and a comment there Happy to talk about absolutely everything um, I believe next week We're going to be talking about Grant Morrison's run on Justice League Maybe We talked know. about There was doing, like a couple uh, And then we had books. to like Circle back around because Justin's yeah, whatever it is, we'll be talking about another request next week. But send in yours, please. And if you like support the show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books. Also, Apple podcast. I, yes, I was gonna say, also check out Justin's trailer. Great. Apple Podcast, <laughs> Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast, many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop. Yeah.